KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. You are listening to the Arab Shabbat program, Arab Shabbat Kodesh, Parsha Tazura Metzora, Bet Yar, Tafshinayin. The Arab Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I am your host, Jonathan Snowbell, who after I start fidgeting with the microphone will be just fine. A lot of time has gone by since we last spoke, met, listened to each other, however we're going to call this, and so I allow myself also to fill in gaps of things that have passed that I would have liked to have spoken about, but didn't get a chance to because we weren't together. It's also a time uh, of year where we think about redemption, we think about destruction and redemption due to the fact of these two weeks where we mark Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, L'Chalalei Tzahal, Memorial Day for the, the fallen victims of the Shoah, the, which was marked this week. Next week we'll have the Memorial Day that will mark the fallen soldiers from the IDF who fought for the State of Israel and the precursors to the IDF. And of course Yom Ha'atzmaut, which is the day of independence of the state of Israel. There, were, There's a group that's for a couple of years been collecting money from families to set aside a portion for themselves within a goat for the purpose of Korban Pesach. That in the event that there will be an ability to bring a Korban Pesach, that people should already have shown that they've taken the minimal preparation to buy a portion within the Korban, and they've done the best that they could. And if that, and they condition it in such a way that if this is not doable, then the money will go to uh, this uh, kolel that learns about the laws that pertain to the Beit HaMikdash. It's not a tremendously large amount of money, I'll assume a non-cynical position about this and and discuss the merits of this or the lack of per se. On a personal level, I am a believer that we have to strive to establish our sovereignty over Harbait, the fact that Jewish people cannot pray on Harbait today is nothing short of a c- complete violation of any democratic values. The fact that one group can hold a different group and say, if you pray here, we're going to have riots and we're going to cause mayhem, and therefore the Supreme Court, the police, will uphold that threat and say the group that's threatened is not allowed to pray, and it's uh, it's a it's a tremendous shame. It's tremendous um, I can only come up with words in Hebrew bizayon, which is a a more extreme formulation of the word shame. That this is the situation, and I'm a big believer that. We shouldn't really allow the situation 
to continue. Um, I believe that there should be ways to encourage people to go to Harbait, including the fact that we just need to be there to show that this is we belong here. Because when so many people are claiming that we have no connection to the place, we have to establish our connection to the place. And again, I'm not going into the question of at what cost, etc. I'm saying it in a vacuum. That being said, when we discuss what are the steps that we must take in order to move forward the agenda of the Beit HaMikdash, because as believing Jews, we believe in the building of the Beit HaMikdash, we believe in it as a central part of Judaism, and that it needs to to be there, it needs something that we strive for. And within that, of course, the whole concept of Avodat Korbanot, the world of the sacrificing that comes along with the Beit HaMikdash, and here, of course, the question of Korban Pesach comes in as well. Those who uh, know a little bit about the topic know that there's a theoretical possibility of bringing Korban Pesach even without the Beit HaMikdash, and even without being ritually pure from Tumat Met, from the, the impurity of the Tumah that stems from death. That All that being said, the question is, how do we strive for the Beit HaMikdash? So I do believe that there is a striving for the Beit HaMikdash on a practical level, which the first barrier is establishing our presence and our connection to the Makoma Mikdash, the place of the Beit HaMikdash. And there are different ways of expressing this, and I'm not getting into to details. I don't want to be over-political. I might have over, already overstepped lines, according to some people. So then, the question is, do we also set aside money for Korban Pesach every year? There's nothing nice about it. They're not uh, taking enormous sums of money. It might be a good fundraising thing for their kolal as well, which might not be the end of the world either. It's a kolal in Karmei Tzur that learns Hilchot Beit HaBechira, they learn the laws of the Beit HaMikdash. Karmei Tzur is just a little bit south of Alon Shvut, on the way to Hebron. And that's fine as well. But the question is, per se, our understanding of how we bring about these processes. And what we have to ask ourselves is what what does God want from us? So I think God does want an earnest and honest desire for building the Beit HaMikdash and even taking certain practical steps. But again, in a world of limited resources, I just want to throw a question out there. don't have a clear answer to this is in the limited money that I have, that I have to buy matzahs and I have to buy food for Pesach and I have to give tzedakah and kimcha de pischa, do I also set aside money for a korban Pesach in a reality which from every way it looks there's not going to be a bringing of korban Pesach? Is that the way 
that will take a step towards building a Beit HaMikdash? Or perhaps, do I take steps that are much more basic and lower level for rebuilding the Beit HaMikdash? And here I want to, the, the, the Pasuk that stands, up in my, stands out in my mind is from the Haftarah of Shabbat HaGadol, that's the first pasuk that we read from the Haftarah of Shabbat Gadol. And the offering of Yehuda and Yerushalayim will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old and in the former years. And the next pasuk says, I will bring you to the justice, and I will be a witness against people who are involved in magic, people who are involved in adultery, people who are taking false oaths, people who are holding back, who are holding back wages, people who are mistreating widows and orphans and strangers and did not fear me. And the question is whether when we look at the Beit HaMikdash and where it stands, on what pillars it stands, when we look at the Nevi'im, we see that there's a clear picture that the Beit HaMikdash without a just society is a Beit HaMikdash that will crumble. It has no pillars, it will fall apart. It has no spiritual pillars and it will fall apart. And then I ask myself, for the six people in my family or the five people in my family that are relevant to eat, do I give another five times twelve shekels to set aside a, a kezait in a korban Pesach in order to show God my desire to bring the korban Pesach? Or do I take those sixty shekels and give them towards Almanot and Yatomim, people who are not having a difficult time taking care of themselves and saying, by building a better society, a more just society, I'm trying to build those pillars of the Beit HaMikdash. And I'm leaving it as a question and something to think about. Because I want to talk a little bit about Tazriya Mitzorah as well. And we may have discussed this in the past, but I just want to, again here, put some questions on the table as far as understanding the world of Mitzorah. Because as we all know, there are three types of Mitzorah. There's the Mitzorah on the body of the human being, there's the Mitzorah on, his cl- on the clothing of the human being, and there's the Mitzorah of the house of the human being. And there's always a question of the relation between these three. They're set in a certain order. First, body of the human being, then the clothing of the human being, and then the house of the human being, and it's easy to go according to some approach, which says we're going from more severe to less severe. In what sense? Something that's on your body, that's closest to you, then your clothing, which is further away from you, but attached to you, and then your house, which is surrounding you. And it's moving further away. And so there we can have talk about three levels of severity. Something that's more severe will 
manifests itself in tsara'at in the body, something less severe tsara'at in the clothing, and something less severe tsara'at in in one's house. Two howevers, and we'll leave the rest for food for thought. When we talk about society today, and even, I, I assume that this is to a certain extent true of older society, but certainly today. If I said to a person, what would you rather lose? Would you rather lose, let's say, four weeks of work to being a Mitzorah? We're not talking about, God forbid, a, a illness that is going to put an end to somebody's life. Talking about, let's for argument's sake, let's call this an illness that will keep you out of work for four weeks. Because between deciding what the status of the of the nega is, is it this type of nega, that type of nega, a person might be out of regular life for a good few weeks. Would you rather lose your wardrobe, or would you rather lose your house? I think everybody would clearly say they would not want to lose their house unless it meant their life. And we're not talking about losing one's life here. In a, in a, in a world where people didn't have many clothing, losing one p- article of clothing, like today, where we go through shirts and pants very quickly, they're not so expensive, but in a world where people might have had one or two articles of clothing, losing an article of clothing was certainly a big deal. So there is a possibility of flipping this whole equation on its head and saying losing one's house, the potential of losing one's house is the greatest loss, and therefore tzarat habayit is the most severe, followed by losing one's wardrobe, which is a, a, a not as big as a loss, but a, but a significant loss, and followed by losing a few weeks of work. Again, if we talk about losing a few weeks of work in terms of money, and we talk about it versus losing a third or two-thirds of one's wardrobe, depending on certainly what someone's salary is, or an entire wardrobe, we could be getting into unclear waters as to what is worse or better. But one last note, which I think must be put into the equation, and here we're throwing off both of the original models. If we talked about the most severe being in the human body, followed by the clothing, and followed by the house, or flipping it, house, clothing, human being, I think there's one more factor that has to come into account, which puts us into a third model of thinking of things, in which certainly the model of the clothing is the least severe, and that due to the fact that as opposed to the tzarat in the human being, and the tzarat in the house, where both of those, in order to correct the situation of the tzarat, need to go through a process of tahara, of bringing the two birds, and the water, and the cedar wood, and everything that's described in the Torah, both by the human being, as described at the beginning of Parshat Mitzorah, or for the house, which is described in the continuation of Parshat Mitzorah. In the case of the clothing, we either rip out a portion of the clothing, or we burn the entire article of clothing, but that's it. We're done with it. We do not have to go through any other process 
of purification, of atonement, which is displayed both by Sarat Habayit and Sarat Haguf, Sarat in the human body. So here is yet a third model for trying to place these three different types of Sarat. Of course, we've said very little here, but our time has come to an end. So we wish everybody on this note a Shabbat Shalom and a Yom HaTzma'ud Sameach and may the State of Israel enjoy many happy, healthy, secure years and may the Jewish people continue in the spirit of Yom HaTzma'ud and return to Eretz Yisrael further strengthening the ties of the Jewish people to Eretz Yisrael and fulfilling the prophecies of the returning of the Jewish people to Eretz Yisrael. Shabbat Shalom.